Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I sincerely hope you're listening to this on our brand new mobile app. And if you don't or don't have it, then download it now. Uh, I am pleased to bring on the show today, Travis Wu with HoopsMovement.com. And the reason why we brought him in... I'm sorry? Hey, guys. What's up? Hey, hey, Travis. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. And, you know, the thing I want to talk about more often or more with you is not necessarily the dunking stuff, which is really important. It's the landing. And I'm really excited to talk to you because I've seen some stuff that you're doing, and I feel like nobody is talking about the fundamentals of landing. Yeah, landing is extremely important because this is the riskiest part of basketball. The most injuries are in landing. So if we're able to improve players' landings, we can improve, we can extend players' careers across all of basketball, and we can improve really skill because people will spend less time on the bench getting better and more time playing. So this is a huge thing that no one is really talking about. Well, let's let's go back to the beginning because I'm curious how you started in your research and figuring out all these different things. Um, so, like, how tall are you? I'm six foot. So my interest came into this through my own dunking. I have a really diverse sports background. I got into basketball a little bit later in high school and immediately had an affinity and love for jumping. And after a while, I developed jumper's knee, which is not at all extreme. It's extremely common for basketball players. But uh, And I was recording a lot of my stuff on camera at this point. And I had the idea that maybe it wasn't jumper's knee, it was lander's knee that was the issue. It wasn't the jumping, it was the repetitive impacts. So I started to do some, you know, there's studies out there on this, actually, that landing technique has a lot to do with injury. The specific studies, there's there's, um, secondary studies that show the correlation between impact and arthritis. And then you just look at players in the NBA, you know, guys like, Paul George, really gruesome injuries, or Brandon Roy, Harold Miner, guys who have advanced osteoarthritis in their 20s. And then there's the guys like Tim Duncan who are doing something completely different. So I got the idea that I'll copy the oldest players and figure out what they're doing. Studied a little bit of physics, studied parkour and parachute landing and these other landing-related sports, and got the idea that A lot of these NBA players actually do know what they're doing, but almost everyone lower level doesn't get taught it. So, 
you know, it's funny because someone did a video. I don't think it was yours, but I saw a video on YouTube at some point. And make sure that you guys check out his uh, Travis's YouTube channel as well, which is also Hoops Movement. Uh, and you can see a lot of examples of this. But I had seen a, a video of a montage of Derrick Rose landing over. Was that yours? Or, yeah, yeah. Okay, that was, good. That was my, so, oh, yeah. wow. I, I'd seen this a long time ago, and I was really blown away because, again, what you show there is just landing after the landing, twisted on one foot, completely off balance, and just sort of almost reckless. And when we see him injure himself without any kind of contact, what, you know, my mind goes right to is it wasn't from that, that he, you know, that jump stop he did. It was from all of those landings building up over the time. And, and, and that's what's so important. And I feel like even young kids today learning this stuff would, would certainly uh, would recognize that what we're seeing like Derek Rose and his career is kind of fizzling a little bit because of it, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think the relevance is kind of obvious to everyone. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's really unclear to me why it doesn't get more light. But I think it will after, after this conversation. We can get some more people talking about it. And we're going to talk about not just bad landings, but good landings and why, what makes them good, right? Perfect. Well, I'm excited about this because, again, yeah, when we talk about footwork, when we talk about fundamentals, we're always looking at, like, when you have the ball, Right. And like that, how are you supposed to, you know, use your pivots and turns there? But the, 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 I can't stress it enough that footwork is so is, is landing. It's, you know, it's, it's landing. <laughs> I, I would have to imagine I teach it, you know, even basically with my uh, focus, landing quietly. I'm wondering, do you have any is that part of your curriculum? Definitely, because impact creates sound. Right. Mm-hmm. So if there's a loud clunk thud. Right. That's that's physically means there was a big impact so yeah if you can land silently then presumably there's no there's no issue so that's one way to to tell yeah so where would you start then uh, basically when you're t- when you're kind of breaking it down and want to sort of spread this knowledge and have people learn how to do this where, where do we uh-huh. start well first we have the relevance we touched on this a little bit but i mean just the category is ending injuries if you're not fully aware there's leg snaps Legs snapping in half, Paul George, Sean Livingston, Kevin Ware. There's bad falls, Evan Turner broke his back, Andrew Bogut broke his arm. There's ankle sprains on threes are extremely common. Vince Carter sprained his ankle on Bruce Bowen. And just in the last five to ten years, they started to protect NBA players with uh, landing zone fouls, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, But that's not on all levels of basketball yet. Then there's just the arthritic knees. So... That, that's the importance now, now that we know, okay, this is why it's relevant and it affects all of us. I would say the best place to start is an understanding of the very basic physics. Physics is intimidating to people. We don't need to really get into the math. We don't need to get into the equations. There's two basic principles. Or three, really, Nick touched on, land quietly, sound as impact. So two main keys beyond that. The first one is the rate of change of speed. The faster you change speed, the more joint force, the greater risk of injury. The slower you change speed, the less injury. So, for instance, if you take 10 steps to run, jump as high as you can, and try to cut back on one leg, you are trying to change speeds all at once, your leg's going to snap like Paul George. That's not a freak accident, actually. That's just how it happens. The alternative is taking 10 steps to slow down, right? Running through, slowing down very slowly. That's what LeBron James is good at. You see him dunk it and then just keep running Mm -hmm. michael jordan as well those are what the good one foot landers do then the other different the other main key that's the first key is is slow is don't slow down all at once (laughs) 
right? Yeah. Roll, run through it, whatever. The second is drop distance and impact. The higher the drop, the more force, right? You drop out of an airplane, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But if you drop from 40 inches, it's a lot different than 20 inches because the way gravity works is it is kind of exponentiates. <laughs> Sorry for the big word, but no worries. Uh, <laughs> basically, so we see certain guys like pull up on the rim and slap the backboard and they land like four feet. And then Tim Duncan will get diagonal and he's got a nine and a half inch standing vertical reach and the breakaway rim drops six inches. He doesn't have impact. He doesn't land, right? Wow. Hassan Whiteside is another guy right now with the 10 foot standing uh, diagonal reach. Wilt Chamberlain had that. So that's how the big guys who last a long time last a long time. They don't land at all. There's no impact. Huh. So That's fascinating. Yeah, it is. Um, now, so I love the idea behind like running as you're landing on the dunk, you know, at full speed to try and take those steps. Now, uh, obviously, at the NBA level, it's it's a little bit more diff- difficult because there's no room when you land. Although I guess you can argue, like even most high school gyms, there's only three feet to the wall, right? But that's <coughs> yeah. probably that's even even that is still enough, right? Yeah. Well, it depends. So what LeBron does, and I use LeBron as an example of a good lander, right? He is very rarely injured. He has played so many minutes, and he, by the basic physics, it seems good. So he runs through if he comes at an angle. He also lands in a backpedal a lot for whatever reason. Backpedaling is a good way to decelerate. So he... We'll get into that in a little bit. That's more theoretical. But he comes in from the side and runs through it. Or what LeBron does a lot, and Michael would do this on his free throw line dunk, is run into the padded backstop yeah. and slow down that way. So that's something you can do as well. So, yeah, so he's going to use the slowing with his hand, like the body of above as opposed to putting all the force of slowing down on his exactly. knees and his ankles. Uh, now, what about landing on both feet? Is that a real um, importance, do you feel like, in your studies? Or you can learn how to do either way safely? Um, I mean, the reality is it's like very complex and strategic. It depends on how fast you're moving forward versus how fast you're moving downward. So if you're jumping straight up and straight down, then sure, land on on two or land on all fours is even better. If you're taking a long horizontal jump off one foot, mm-hmm. then a lot of the time you're going to want to come down running. So one foot is fine. Um, like the worst is like a one foot cutback, right? That's the that's just the worst way to land. Wait, so explain the, the, a one-foot cutback means as you're landing, you're trying to then cut into a different direction? Yeah, like Paul George, example. Yeah. If Although, you well, the thing, that, but what do we say? Because people will say, well, Paul George got his, his, you know, his leg caught between the stanchion and the floor as well. But you feel like that would have snapped anyway? Uh, I mean, his is the same as Kevin Ware and Paul George. He okay. uh, tried to – yeah, like if it takes t- – think about it this way is another way. If it takes you 10 steps to accelerate to full speed, it should take you 10 steps to decelerate to full speed to back to zero, right? It okay. shouldn't happen in one step. Okay, I hear you. Okay, so yeah, so we want to avoid that. It's important. Um, and it's really the quiet notion of that. Um, now, the, you mentioned uh, inter, uh, ankle injuries on jumpers. and Because we teach um, the sway, where when we want your mm-hmm. legs to sort of flow mm-hmm. forward and you bend at the waist. And there's a couple of interest, interesting things about that. And I talked to some trainers about this as well who are, you know, you'll see Kobe do it. You'll see, you know, everyone does it. Like it's very natural. But then a lot of times you end up landing on one foot. 
And a lot of trainers, or at least one trainer I was speaking to recently was like, that's just an injury waiting to happen, even though, <laughs> with, like with Steph, for instance, Steph doesn't jump very high, so the impact can't be that much, even on uh-huh. one foot. So, uh-huh. but I guess the, the reason why I was mentioning it was that I, I feel like people ask me that all the time about, oh, you're going to get, you're going to sprain your ankle. But I feel like, I just don't feel like it happens that often. Do you think it does? So this type of sprain is 100% avoidable. And I, I think this is the biggest takeaway that everyone should know who's listening to this because everyone's at risk of this. So you're absolutely right, or he's right. There's risk. If you're shooting and you're leaning forward or your feet are coming forward and you, you <laughs> land on someone's foot, you can sprain. But what we see Jamal Crawford and Steph Curry do, these are the guys to watch. They land on all fours. They, their feet come forward and they land with their hands as well. So even if you land on someone's foot, you have now four impact points instead of two. So this, if you look at Bruce Bowen's sprains or Kobe's sprain, Kobe had a really bad sprain uh, on one of these. They're trying to land upright. So, yeah, you are at risk of that. But, I mean, what really – yeah, watch Jamal Crawford's 48 and 1-3s mix. He's all over the floor every time. Yeah. Never never gets his ankle sprain. Same with Steph Curry now and some other guys. This has actually become, like, kind of the norm in the NBA. A lot of people think that it's flopping. But it's it, it prevents this – it reduces the risk of this sprain down to nearly zero. Love right? it. That, I love that idea. Yeah. You're right. You know, because if you learn how to land is one thing, but you, you kind of learn how to fall, right? So yeah, you never exactly. put, yeah, because you're right. I, I mean, I know I sprained my ankles uh, dozens of times in, in high school, never let them heal. They still hurt now. And it was because I was, yeah, coming down on one foot with all my weight. Boom, someone's foot was there. Well, actually, it's not true. In my senior year, I finally learned. I actually, as I ever got close to being rolling it, I could like quickly bend my leg and sort of fall. And then I would pop right back up. And I remember some dude thinking like, oh, he broke my ankles because I went to the ground. But I was up so fast that he never got an advantage because I, I kind of got used to doing that. So is that, a, is that something we could actually practice and teach? Yeah, absolutely. I do this and I recommend this. I have this drill on the website at hoopsmovement.com. But you can just imagine, you do a catch-and-shoot situation, and the defender comes underneath you, yeah. and you land on all fours. And the goal isn't to make a bunch of them, but just to get weapons in the game, you are prepared to do that. Because you're going to shoot free throws in a lot of levels of basketball, because your landing zone should be protected, right? But yeah, I mean, you can do this. There's two ways to do this at practice. You... You, you deliberately, it's, you tell your players, hey, look, you're going to miss this shot probably, but shoot it, and they're going to slide. A defender is going to foul you by sliding under you. You're going to mm-hmm. land on all fours. The goal is just not to get hurt mm-hmm. and to get comfortable doing this game. You can also do this with layups because um, the what this landing is, is actually what I like to call this landing, and it makes what people generally call this landing is the backslide landing. Um, it works really well on – it kind of evolves at a break dance where they do the sliding and parkour where they do the rolling, mm-hmm. but it makes the most sense in basketball because a basketball court is low friction, which means you can really slide like for days on it. Yeah. And again, the, the slower you change your rate of speed, the less risk of injury. So we see Steph Curry's gotten way better. I mean, think about Steph Curry with his 11 ankle sprains or seven, whatever, you know, he, he, he stopped spraining his ankle, and then what happened? Best player in the world, right? Right. So, um, yeah, you can have your players do this on layups. You know, we're going to foul you and just get to all fours on your back and slide away. So this is really, really common for 
shooters, Steph Curry, Jamal Crawford, right, and some other guys. It's uh, Kyle Corver does this a lot as well. It's also common. You know, the guy who does it is a master at this um, from his dunks is Dwayne Wade. Now, some people will say, okay, well, D. Wade has bad knees. Why would we copy him? D. Wade had his meniscus removed after Marquette before the NBA. This was before they had repair, reparative or whatever reconstructive yeah. meniscus That's, surgery. Right. They just cut that out. He's not supposed to last 11, 12 years and win two NBA championships, right? So he protects his knees by landing on all fours and sliding. There's no, really any impact. He also does some forward slides. One other guy to look for in this is Tim Duncan, actually. He not only does the, the, the dunkless or the landingless drop, but he also does lots of backslide landings. You can see this on his career. Actually, he was doing backslides as a rookie. People huh. say that he was, uh, you know, he came in playing like an old man. He really did, like to every detail. Wow. So, now, so, and to me, when you say backslides, I kind of think about if I take a charge – and I land on my ass, and I kind of slide. Is that sort exactly. of the same idea? Yeah, you take this little push with your hands, and yeah. then you just go sliding. Michael Jordan also did this slot. So, I yeah. mean, that's how we know, we know it's good, right? Yeah. Well, so, and then it sounds like there's a lot of other places that you can learn these, or like where you can reference these techniques in landing in other sports too, right? Yeah, so for instance, mention parkour. Parkour is kind of the study of, it's really like the study of impacts. So there's lots of landing, and there's some studies in that as well that shows that you land on all fours, it's better than two. If you roll, it's better than uh, otherwise. But parkour doesn't have much sliding because it's generally on grass and concrete. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, where, yeah. Um, and then there's breakdance, which is sliding. Another really interesting, well, for, yeah, okay, so there's parachute landing. The Army, the jump squad actually practices this. They go to 10 feet and then 20 feet and then 30 feet, huh. and you're supposed to roll from six different directions, and only then can you go from the plane. Yeah, really interesting. Wait, um, wait, when they jump from like 20 feet with no parachute? They, parachute, just... they do have a parachute at that point. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right, good. Yeah. A um, couple other interesting ones, track and high jumping, and I want to – get into this at, at the end they have landing zones they have de dedicated landing zones and i would be interested in maybe having like padding in the out of bounds and basketball huh. not on the inbounds uh but we can learn something from that however one more key sport which is really really interesting is skating um rollerblading so we see guys do crazy and the extreme rollerbladers jump off like 30 foot drops and are able to land safely and they land backwards always because it's like a squat. You can take more out if you sit back and landing. They call this fakey style. So that is another reason why the the backslide is better than the front slide, perhaps. Because the backslide is actually, if we really break it down and analyze it, it's a squat into a dip into a – you're sliding at that point. So it's – you know, you can diffuse a lot from just a squat and then a lot from a dip. So mm -hmm. it's it's a nice combination. That's really and, cool. Yeah, I mean, and because we're always talking about multi-sport training and being <coughs> able to help, you know, soccer can help footwork and all that kind of stuff. But 
you know, like parkour, actually, I really, I could see that. I, and I, in fact, we've been meaning to go to a, a parkour place in L.A. and do some filming just to show that there's some really great cross-training there, uh, independent of the landing as well. But certainly, um, I mean, it, it's really, you're right, it's hard to believe that we haven't had more focus on this. And the backwards landing that you're talking about, now that you, you say it, it's like, yeah, I could picture a lot of guys doing that. And I suppose they're doing it because they just sort of somehow stumbled upon it, right? I don't know if anyone's actually teaching this, right? I don't know. It's unclear. I mean, yeah. I, I watch guys like Craw- Jamal Crawford, Dwayne Wade, Tim Duncan, Steph Curry do it so much that they must know. They, yeah. you know, I, I'm not in contact with these guys, but it seems like they must know. I, I hear you. Um, well, how, what, how else does this evolve into like what you're teaching? What else have you dis- discovered about you know the correct landing and techniques? Uh huh. So, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. A few thoughts are that it's really strategic. It's not like really. There's some cliches like land on the balls of your feet or land quiet. Landing quiet is good as well, but it's like it's actually very very st- strategic. You know, it's not like always land this one way. You need like six different styles, right? Sometimes you're going to land on all fours in the front. Wilt Chamberlain was good at this. Or if you look at Wilt's tape, he was like a great, great at landing. He was a track and field guy, uh-huh. multi-sport guy. Um, so you should be able to do the back slides, uh, run into the backstop and run through it. Another key thing that we mentioned with the low point drops not everyone has a nine foot, nine and a half foot or ten foot diagonal reach. So, I mean, well, for one, you should probably shouldn't pull yourself up and then drop 48 inches, right? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> what you can do, and I, I mean, I personally do this in my dunking. People hate it, but I love it, and I know I'm going to live longer because of it. But you can go from the rim and then put one hand in the net, and oh. then from there I've got an eight foot diagonal reach. And there's no limit on that. And it's, you know, it's just not macho. People don't like, right? <laughs> but um, I have seen LeBron do that once. He put his hand in the net and then swung back around. And huh. I've seen Alan Iverson do a, a net, a split hang. Yeah, so here, here's another key thing is if you screw up the hang, that's another really serious way to get injured. For you dunkers out there, if you go for two hands, that's how Bogut broke his back, or Evan Turner broke his back, I think. Bogut, yeah, yeah if, you, if, if you miss the hang, basically. So you can use a split hang. You're not supposed to get into the net first because they think it's giving you a boost, then it's cheating or whatever. But, I mean, it's okay, and Allen Iverson has done this in a game. If you finish with a split hang, that way... Because the net is lower to the ground, so there's just less. If you end up slipping and falling, you're falling 12 inches less. So basically, if you imagine finishing a dunk, instead of hanging two hands in the rim, you hang one hand on the rim, one hang on the net. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You know what? So now you're getting into, like, I remember I had a kid who played for me, and we were going over individual moves, just me and, like, three kids going in a line. And he was, you know, working on dunking as a finish. And he, he, he did the pull-up on the rim, and then his feet came up, and then he, like, let go, and then landed and, you know, split his, his eyebrow ridge, you know, eight stitches, broke his wrist. Um, and I remember thinking then, I was like, you know, I wish I could, I had some sort of fundamentals of dunking. Like, what do I tell that kid? And I, what you just broke down there is amazing. And another one of those things that nobody ever talks about is, you know, you grab the net also, by the way, you could probably get your hand in there. It, it, you don't slip as easily right off, off of it's the It's so net. easy to hang on to. Like it is designed, 
it feels like it's designed for a hand. <laughs> right. Soft okay. mesh with all kinds of pockets, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose people have gotten their fingers caught in there and maybe hurting them so they don't feel that way. But you're right. On a dunk, at least, uh, that sounds – it's very provocative what you're talking about. And I, and I totally see how you can certainly limit the amount of you know, pressure you're putting on your legs as you land, even from just, yeah, another 6, 8, 12 inches lower. Yeah. So let's talk about ways to make it happen. So first of all, as a coach, you know, I've coached a couple years. I'm not, it's not really my specialty um, as far as teams, but I mean, it seems like it makes sense to reward thoughtful landings. Just say, I mean, with my players or my friends or whatever, I always try try to say nice landing when they, when they have a a good landing or a thoughtful landing, Uh just to reinforce it or um, I mean, I don't know if, it, or I draw attention to it if they don't like landings, landings, landings. If they're obsessed with the jump, right? So, what do you think about that as far as implementing it as a coach? Oh, absolutely, because you know the the positive reinforcement for that kind of stuff is really uh, key. Because you know, once you start saying that's a bad landing, you know that that kind of starts to reinforce the, the bad habits. And without question, I think you get a lot a lot more from that because players want positive reinforcement. And it's an easy one to do when, when they do it and they'll start to think about it. I mean, without question, you need to do that. Now, I, I remember I went to a, uh, an LMU practice, Loyola Marymount, and like when they run, it's silent. I'm telling you, 12, 14 guys doing running, sprinting down the court, and you don't hear a peep. It's, it's actually startlingly like amazing. And yeah. that, I know that they work on it as well. They're, and they might not be positive. They might be like, you know, this is going to save you. You better do it. But uh, you can you can reinforce it that way as well, just in your sprinting, uh, without without question. In my mind, once they become uh, co- uh, cognizant of that and aware of that, then it'll translate into landing and everything else. That, yeah, that's that's a good point. The uh, the best players are the quietest players. It seems generally it seems that way. Yeah, not in all cases. Yeah. So, now you know what's funny about this, real quick, is that you know we oh talk all about the hop. And for me, uh-huh. the hop is a, is, a, is a vital, you know, technique to acceleration or to shoot. Um, and I remember I do get people who complain, oh, you're going to blow out your knee that way. And it's very frustrating because I feel like it's sort of what we're talking about here. The hop isn't, is the wrong term. And, we, you know, just like we want to go on a, a whole uh, national campaign to get people to understand or the worldwide campaign to understand landings, we have to change the word hop. I think it should be called drop. Because there is no upward motion. You are simply the feet lift and you go down, which I feel like, you know, and I know you're going to accelerate up, but I feel like without, if I were to jump up in the air and then land and jump on that landing, that would be the real, um, you know, uh, uh, difficult part of the knees absorbing that shock. So how does the hop fit into this, do you feel like? Well, I mean, the body is pretty good at absorbing smaller forces. So... I mean, when people take the hop, you could call it. It's not like a, it's not like a massive jump stop into a, right, into a dunk, right? So I mean, it just it's two seems inches. like yeah, literally two yeah. inches off the ground and you drop into it. Yeah, it's it seems. I mean, the body can, the body can actually take a lot. I mean, this is like, if it, I mean small landings, you can land upright on your you know, with the calf raise or whatever. It's more like the the bigger drops. You mm-hmm. need to do something else to protect yourself. But, I mean, the hop seems perfectly safe. Yeah, cool. I mean, because here's the thing. My, my my retort to when people say, oh, you're going to, you know, blow out your knee and the girls when they do it in high school, they blow out their <laughs> knees. 
I'm like, you know, basketball is not necessarily a good sport for your knees. <laughs> Anything no, you do. No, it's definitely bad. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, you know, go swimming if you're concerned about, you know, your knees uh, necessarily. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. And I'm glad that we can, you know, that you, you can kind of draw the parallels with, like, the landing when you're literally two feet in the air and that's compounding and boom uh, versus, like, a quick drop into an explosion. Um, you know, I feel like this plays into that as well. And by the way, the hop doesn't shouldn't be loud either. You might get the squeak of the shoe, mm-hmm. um, but it's definitely not like a big thud when you hit the ground. Um, I did want to touch on the hop as far as a rebound when you when you're coming to, when you are coming down from two and three feet because uh-huh. we haven't mentioned rebound landings. Those, I mean, the norm is just to land upright, which is. It's unclear. It's unclear. So a better way might be to land in a squat if players can do a deep squat. Another way is a is a a three-point landing where you either cuff the ball and, and land on three or you push the ball into the ground. I know some if you start dribbling after that, some reps think it's a double dribble or something like that. Mm-hmm. But on a rebound, if you go up way high and then you're landing upright, you're not going to get hurt right away, probably, but you're going to feel a dull knee pain after practice. But and this is something you could train with players as well: is you go up high for the rebound, and then you come down low for the landing, and that also protects the rebound because you know the little little players come up behind and try to poke it out. Right. So. so oh, cause, right. Because that would be the, the the thing that people would say was, "What are you talking about? You can't bring the ball down. You can't. The guards are going to get it from you when you get the rebound." So I suppose that. In doing a squat, you can save your knees, but then there's another little something we have to do in there to figure out how to then protect the ball, right? Well, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Like if you're coming down low enough, you're even too low for them to get is what I'm saying. Okay. I mean, it's also you can be coming down low, and then if you're aware of that, you can be pivoting to use your backside to protect the ball yeah. as well. They can only come from one side. Or you bounce back up. I would just encourage using a greater range of motion. Because then there's more muscle involvement and less joint involvement, presumably. Okay. That's the theory. I'm interested in that because, you know, whenever I, you know, we, of course, catching the ball on a, on, a, on a rebound and it got hold it over your head. Like that's been the fundamental for 60 years. And I, I, whenever we see a rule like that or a fundamental has been around that long, I'm all, I always look at those very skeptically. You know, is it really that vital or important and you know what it might not be that strip might not really happen as often as people think and there might be a, it might be a little a little just a little trick into that maybe as they land and they're kind of you know they pivot and then boom there's no worry about that at all kind of like when we talk about the dip on the shot well it's, it makes it too slow and people get their their shot blocked from three and it's like i've, I've almost never seen a, a three-point shot blocked <laughs> at any level so anyhow so that's a good stuff uh-huh Okay, one other – let's talk about implementing it. We talked about okay. how to coach it. Yeah. So one thing I'm interested in is the refing. So in, especially at the high school level, refs love to blow their whistle on rim hangs. And I think this is – this was Derek Rose's downfall because he never ever – if you look through his career dunk landing mix, he never hangs on the rim ever. And that's just reinforced from an early age in AAU. You oh. see it. They just – Refs love to tech rim hangs. They think it's showing off. They don't understand the practicality behind it. So what do you think about this? I mean, have you seen that? You noticed that? Well, Even just, in the NBA, you see it sometimes. Oh, like, last night, Jimmy Butler did it, and he lifted himself up. Now, that you wouldn't have liked it because he ended up doing a chin-up and then landing, so there was a bigger landing for him. 
Um, but there, there's without question, we I, I, there are times I don't know exactly the percentage of times where it still feels like they're looking to figure out where they can land safely, but the ref will tee them up. And there's no question, you're right. The high school level, it is definitely uh, an issue that they don't uh, they don't understand. The most egregious in history that I I can think of <laughs> is Dewan Blair doesn't have ACLs. Yeah, he's a miracle. <laughs> His ACLs are removed. There's a clip of him on YouTube where he comes running in for a dunk, and this guy is so big and so heavy and doesn't have ACLs. He grabs the rim and he swings forward and then swings back up the court, and the refs tech him up for what? Like, for touching the rim. So, yeah, I mean, certain high school stars are coming up, just never hang on the rim because of that, and it leads to early arthritis. So wow, uh, I think it would be good if refs, like, respect respect hang more. Yeah, because you know what? Right, I, I like it. There, there's something about okay, we get the idea about sportsmanship and like you're, maybe you're trying to show off, but uh, you know, at this point, it's like who cares anyway, right? I mean, like I know that that we you know there's a technical foul for you know you don't want to slam the ball on the ground either because you're angry, but this is a this is an expression of joy in theory, and it's not anger and disrespect to the refs. You know, it's not like you're arguing a call. So, you know, and I'm old school, but I, I feel like you're right. E- even still, just to get rid of, let's get rid of one more thing the ref has to deal with, uh, you know, as far yeah. as judgment. So I, I'm with you. And, and also, uh, you're right. I, I, I can see how that would help players land more softly. Yeah. I mean, and if Derek Rose plays, got an f- extra five years to his career, everyone would be happy. I'm not happy that no. what's been happening to him. Okay, so... Um, last kind of question, which I'm interested to pick your brain on. So the NBA baseline out of bounds, there's a few things that could be done to the court itself to maybe increase injury, right? We look at Paul George. He didn't have enough landing space. However, that was not the NBA. That was the Olympic or FIBA, mm-hmm. whatever. There, there was like two feet less. However, you can definitely see people having to cut their landing short or go into the stands or run into the – you know, someone does a free throw line dunk or whatever. So would it make sense to extend baseline out of bounds to allow for more landing space a few feet? So the cons are perhaps there's less space for near seats. Maybe there's less ticket revenue. However, there might be less catastrophic injuries. But also, I believe that sometimes players don't jump. The smart ones don't jump if there's nowhere to land. If there's more places to land, there might be more jumping. There might be more high flying dunks and stuff like that. So yeah, I agree and I think it's also because of the cameraman who also the players get hurt falling into those as well. Um, or you know, we haven't seen a serious injury as far as I can remember from a camera thing, but we see you know potential for that as well. So that's the problem is obviously those seats are the most expensive or some of the most expensive and you're going to lose a row. Let's just pretend it's one row. So that's going to be 20 you know, seats times 500, whatever. It's, it's a lot of money. Um, but I agree. I, I wish there was something they could do to extend it. And if it's, you know, um, you know, I think the hockey thing is an issue because the hockey thing around the side. Otherwise, you could say, yeah, move all the seats back. There should be some room to move that last row on the floor back. But a lot of times there's none because of that. So uh, I agree. I wish they had more room. I, they definitely need it. But I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Probably not. I'm going to make a compelling case for the NBA here. How much money did you guys lose from, again, this is not uh, the NBA. This is a little bit less landing space in this court. But how much money did you guys lose from Paul George's injury? So much, right? Yeah. So much money is lost. To invest so much money in players that can't play. 
Absolutely. Okay. And by the so, way, yeah, it set the, the Pacers back, the whole team, and then their whole their their playoff hopes. I mean, he's he's obviously come back, but you know, for that that year, he was gone without question. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot of money on both ends. And then the last one. This is even more. This is even less likely to happen. But if there was say a padded landing zone so you have the backstop is padded what if the the backstop padding extended to a little bit of the ground so that you could land on that again it's only the out of bounds it's not the inbounds and maybe that would disrupt the current backside landings people do but i mean it'd be cool if you could do your dunk and then you land on padding out of bounds and then would, would you have to make the padding flush with the wood or can it come up off of the wood a little bit on top of the wood it's unclear i mean this is not only like it's, this one is difficult to implement as well yeah but, but i just I, want to I, share the theory there's no but by the way you know because again there's no reason why you couldn't do that that especially underneath the basket from the from the edge of the backboard to the edge of the backboard there's nobody inbound oh you know what you are you inbound, you're inbound the ball on a, on a make i was thinking when an out of bounds play you're always clear mm-hmm. of that area but um, when you inbound it on a live ball situation, you know. But but then again, so what? It's a little softer there. I don't. I, yeah. I I'm interested in that. Uh, I guess I have to kind of really see the numbers of how often guys are landing on that part of it because it maybe maybe someone's going to say, ah, oh, they, they almost never land there. So why would we do that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more for like discussion than something we'll actually see. But maybe in the far future of basketball, right? Things really evolve in this game over five, ten, twenty years. So. Yeah, uh-huh. we, maybe there'll be a new surface that we they play on that is you know different. Although you know those wood floors seem to have a lot of give, right? They're bouncy, yeah. You know, and, and a lot of people probably haven't been on a real court that's put over ice or whatever, like in a stadium. You know, because I, I remember in my high school we had two courts. One was like that, or you know, not like that, but a little bit like that. The other one was on concrete. It was like uh, uh, it was a parquet floor on concrete. And that was another recipe for disaster. I'm surprised we never had like a major knee injury in all those years I was coaching at that gym because it's so hard in the landing just by, you know, landing on concrete, basically. That's true. I mean, a lot of the, I mean, the problem is the backslide doesn't apply to concrete at all also. Yeah. So it doesn't, this doesn't help a lot of players around the world. And for that, I mean, check out parkour. You can actually back roll on concrete and it's not so bad. Yeah. Oh, and we've seen back rolls too. I think Shaq would do them sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah, back rolls happen. It's just the uh, the low friction court is conducive to sliding, but high friction is more conducive to roll to rolling. Cool. So it's a matter of terrain. Well, Travis, this was a really enlightening conversation. I'm glad that we could have it. Let us know where we can find you, so I don't screw it up. I want to give it to us directly. Yeah, so. You can find us at Hoops Movement, and if you look through our videos, you'll find different things on landing and on some other things as well. If you go to hoopsmovement.com, we have a free ebook, which is the ultimate landing survival guide. It's a strategy guide, like a video game strategy. It's, it's a really cool thing where it's like, here's why it matters. Here's when to use a backslide. Here's when to use a cat landing. Here's when to land on upright. Here's when to run through your landings, etc. So that... Again, this is complicated. There's not one correct way to land. 
it's good to have a bunch of tricks in your bag. So hoopsmovement.com, check it out there. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing these ideas. I look forward to you know talking to you in the future because I'm sure there's going to be more and more things that we discover about this stuff. And uh, let's let's make this happen. Let's make more people aware of landing. I think that that's going to be. A, I, I talk about it a lot. You know, probably since I saw your that video about Derek Rose, whenever that was a couple of years ago. And uh, I still get people who are like, oh yeah, that's that's a good idea. Like I never really thought of it. And we got to get that on people's minds. Yeah, man. It's a real pleasure, Nick. I love what you do. Love your open-mindedness and glad you're on board for the cool. landings. It's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Travis. I, I appreciate it. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Travis? I am in, Nick.